Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always new every morning. Great, O oh God, is your faithfulness. Thank you for our life from the beginning of this year. Thank you, Lord, for that which you continue to do. Blessed be your name, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity. It's December again. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I've just been reflecting uh, throughout the throughout the week. Um, you know, as um, as leaders, we've been uh, privileged to stand in front of you uh, Sunday in, Sunday out uh, since the beginning of the year, and uh, most times, uh, if not all the time, we've had to use our failures, our victories, our scars, our tears as casing points, as stories. Uh, to encourage, um, to challenge uh, each and every one of us. Amen. Uh, and if there is anything um, I always say is that um, don't be scared to tell your story because each of our stories are unique. Uh, each of our stories are different. And despite our shortcomings as people, the God we serve can turn any mess into a message. Hallelujah. So no matter where you are, no matter where you're coming from, your story can be a message to someone. And even those turbulent moments, those uncertainties, is all part of God's plan for our life. And even as we look at the sermon this morning, we'll be seeing a lot of disruptions, a lot of how God has to disrupt um, the life of people um, and in human theory or human spectrum of analysis, you will say this is an absolute shamble. But within those shambles, God is glorified. Amen. Um, for those who are joining us, we always have a focus for the month. The month this month, we're looking at rejoicing and thanksgiving. And as it is it's Christmas, um, I will be looking, I will be looking at the Christmas story. Uh, but um, I, I believe we've all been doing a lot of shopping and getting prepared for Christmas. Uh, so perhaps we could unwrap Christmas. Amen. And uh, what's the better way to unwrap Christmas than to look at the Christmas story? And every time we read the Christmas story, um, there is more insight. Um, there is more joy, uh, the beauty of the, of the Christmas story. Um, and when you look at the, the gospel, there are several accounts. And, and of course, if we decide to read them all, as you read Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark, or uh, I think John was the only one that did not actually explore uh, the, the, the story of the birth of Jesus. But we take a little snippet of, of the various accounts, and then in the course of the sermon, we, we look at um, this story, this beautiful story, this, this amazing, uh, amazing story. Uh, let's read uh, Matthew chapter 1. From verse 18, uh, if you are able to read with me uh, on your Bible, on the screen, if it's legible. Um, the birth of Jesus was like this. Mary's mother had been promised um, in marriage to Joseph. Before they were married, it was learned that she was to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a promised husband. He was a good man and did not want to make it hard for Mary in front of people. He thought it would be good to break the promised marriage without people knowing while he was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
She is to become a mother by the Holy Spirit. A son will be born to her. You will give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from the punishment of their sins. Uh, Joseph awoke from his sleep. He did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. He took Mary as his wife. Uh, let's fast track to uh, Luke and um, pick it up from Luke chapter 2 uh, from verse 6. And while they were there in Bethlehem, and a bit, a bit of a preamble there, um, the, uh, the Lord at that time, um, Augustus has declared the censors, and by default you have to go to your homeland uh, to be counted in this um, unprecedented call for uh, censors. Um, so Joseph um, has to go back to Bethlehem. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first son, her firstborn, uh, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And, and there were shepherds living out in the fields, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, uh, these three wise men, uh, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. Amen. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of, Beth, uh, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, you probably have read this story uh, a whole lot. And um, there have been so many, so many uh, modification and presentation in songs, in, in TV. And you look around and Christmas has been so commercialized. Um, I mean, you read this story and you look at what Christmas is today. Uh, there's so much. You look at the TV. There's so much advertisement on, on Christmas. Uh, you look at the shops and there are lots of gifts and parties and uh, TV cards, gifts. Everywhere you look is all uh, is all Christmas. And um, the sad part is that because of Christmas, so many people have gone into lots of debts. As a matter of fact, I look at the start during the week, and 60% of people, they, they, they have credit card debts. And most of these debts were actually accumulated or accrued during the course of preparing for Christmas, trying to keep the kids happy, trying to make sure that a special gift is given to the spouse, to the husband, trying to make sure that every friend in this friends list Get something meaningful. At, at times, it becomes like a competition. Yes, I I have to I have to buy a more better gift. Um, it becomes like a rivalry. Who gives the best gift? Who hosts the the best Christmas party? Who sets the best table for Christmas? And there is a danger that in all this mabby pabby, in all this hustling and bustling, we miss the essence of Christmas. We miss Christ in Christmas. Amen. Ever try to prepare to attend someone's birthday? You buy all the gifts and you do all the parties and all the music set and everything is there. And the celebration goes full blown. But then at the end people ask you, who is actually celebrating? So the celebrant is not here. What are we talking about? So there is a danger that even as Christians, um, because we've looked at this Christmas story, and we've allowed the world to modulate and dilute this Christmas story. We take Christ from Christmas. And it becomes like any other day. It becomes like any other feast. And I believe that the word of God to us this morning um, is, let's not miss Christ in Christmas. That as we prepare with the Christmas jumper, with the Christmas gift, with everything that goes with it, let Jesus still be at the center of the table. Amen. But why? 
Can we look from the story of Jesus, like this story we just read? Were there people that actually missed Christmas? Yes. We were told from the story we read that the baby was born and it was placed in a manger because there was no room for them. So the innkeeper actually missed Christmas, actually missed Jesus in Christmas. Remember, I mean, the translation said this is a guest room. I mean, this is somebody that is running a business. Imagine the, the PR. Imagine having this banner. Jesus Christ was born here. Imagine how that would boom business. But we are told that because there was a census going on, everybody was in town, these guys were really, really busy. So at the time where Mary was in labor, there was no room for this baby. And the reason why there was no room for the baby is because they didn't know at the time. This was not just any other baby. Perhaps as a matter of fact, the innkeeper would have seen so many pregnant women. But this baby was different. This was not any ordinary bed. So busyness can cause us to miss Christmas. Luke 2 verse 7 said, She gave birth, but lay him in a manger because there was no room for him. There was no room for Christ. You know, we can be so busy with the preparation for Christmas. We can be so busy with all this ceremonial stuff that we miss out Christ even in Christmas. As a matter of fact, we can be so busy as a man and as a woman trying to make a living that we forget to make a life. We can be so busy trying to make a house to accommodate our family that we forget to make a home for our family. We can be so busy trying to please so many people that we forget to understand and focus on the true essence of who we are and what God has made us to be. Psalm 39 verse 6 said, All man's busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches only for someone else to spend. The busyness of life. And the first word that God is bringing to us as we go through this festivity period is a brother, sister, slow down. Amen. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You want to be there, you want to be here, or you want to be in space, you want to run through that, I run through that. And the Lord is saying, slow down. Let me come in and organize this life. There may be so many turbulence, there may be so many business around, there may be so many turbulence waters, we may be hearing so many voices on what to do, how to do, but God is saying, slow down. Don't miss me in this season because there are so many things I want to do for you. Somebody else missed Christmas. And who were they? The religious leaders. When you look at the account in Matthew, we are told that when these three wise men, they, they came to town to look for the baby, they met the king. And the king was like, they said, oh, a king has been born, we have come to worship him. The king, not knowing what has happened, he actually summoned the priests and the religious leaders. But the Bible says, these guys, they had no clue. And they could be, couldn't be bothered to even check or verify the story of these people. Now, let's put it into context. These are religious leaders. This is what they do. These are people who read the prophecy. They teach people about the prophecy that a king will be born. Now, for these three wise men to have traveled hundreds of miles to look for this baby, common sense would have requested that these guys, we are told that from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is just about five, ten miles. They couldn't be bothered to say, let's send one of us to just go and verify this story. 
Why? Because they were too familiar with this story. Perhaps people have come and say, oh, we are the Savior. Oh, I'm the mother of the Savior. You see, familiarity can make us to lose out on what God is doing. Hallelujah. You know, Micah 5 verse 2 said, When the Messiah for whom they have been waiting finally came, they didn't recognize him. It is possible that we've been looking up to God, waiting for this promise to come, but because based on our human connotation, we have a speck in mind. We've been praying for a life partner. We've been praying for that blessing to come. But somehow, that blessing is here, but because the blessing did not come in our own permutation, in the shape and form that we expected it to come in, we miss out on that blessing. And God is telling us to not be too familiar with the Christmas story. Do not be too familiar with what God is doing that you miss out on the blessings of God. When we become familiar with what God is doing, we take what God is doing for granted. Familiarity, they say, breeds contempt. When we become too familiar, we miss out on that which God has for us. When we become too familiar, even with the Christmas story and what God is doing within this Christmas, it robs us of the wonders that God wants to perform in each of our lives. When we become too familiar that we just focus on the gifting or the physical antics and celebratory element of Christmas and we miss Christ out, we miss out on what God is doing and what God wants to do in our life. When you read Matthew chapter 13 verse 55, the Bible says, Jesus, when he went back to Bethlehem, they said, is this not the capital son? We even know his mother. We know his brother. We know his sister. We know his, 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 his family. And as a result, the Bible said, Jesus was unable to do any miracle, even in his hometown. Familiarity is a dangerous territory to, tra- to travel in. Because when we become too familiar, there is a danger that we miss out, even the blessings that is visible amongst us. There are blessings around us. There are people that God has planted in our lives. We should not be too familiar not to see the finger of God in operation uh, in our life. Why miss Christmas? Fear. King Herod, uh, for those who, who know the uh, theological story, uh, Herod wasn't a good king. This guy was a very cruel king. As a matter of fact, uh, this guy was so versed on his position as a king that the, the, some of the history could know this man as a very brutal man. Someone who killed even his, his in-laws. Somebody who even put his mother in prison and ended up killing his own mother, killing his sons because anyone he taught, everyone and anyone uh, want to overthrow him. Even towards the time of his death, he has to put anyone that is a potential uh, a candidate for the throne was placed in, in prison. And he said, when I die, make sure that all these people are killed. So when these three wise men came and said, where is the king that we've come to worship him? This was a no-no for him. And like we know in this Christmas story, this guy ended up beheading the children that are two years and under. The fear of our position, the fear of missing out on these titles in quote, the fear of missing out on our physical stand can make us to miss out on Christmas. The fear of, oh, like the Bible said, that Aaron was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. The fear of, oh, if I don't go through and spend all this debt and get myself entangled on debts, 
then people will feel that I don't belong or people will feel that I'm not, I'm not meeting up with the standard. Fear is a dangerous element. And the Lord is saying in this season, don't live in fear. Amen. But there were some people that didn't miss out on Christmas. The wise men. The wise men. Hallelujah. Let's look at Matthew 2, 1 to 2. Uh, just picking few elements there. The Bible says the wise men, they came saying, where is he? They didn't miss out on Christmas. Why? Because the Bible says they came looking for Jesus. They came searching for Jesus. If we don't want to miss Christ in Christmas, our heart should be channeled on looking for Jesus. Always continually seeking for God. You know, we always read Jeremiah 29 verse 11 to 13. We always read the verse 11 that says, Oh, the plans I have for you, they are plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But most times we miss out on the, on the, on the, on the, on the later verses there that says, When you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You will find me. Look for God. Don't stop seeking God. Hallelujah. Don't stop looking for God. These wise men, they, they, they left their families, they left their comfort. Like I mentioned before, they traveled hundreds of miles. Why? Just to find Jesus. Just to look for Jesus. And the Bible says when they found him, they responded with joy, with worship, and with gifts. I don't know even in this Christmas you will ask yourself, how can I be more closer to God? How can me and my family can be more devoted to God? How can we grow our relationship, our love for God better? How can we become better worshippers? Better lovers of God and the kingdom of God? These guys, even though when you look at the accounts at the end, they gave gift. But gift wasn't the first step. They came looking for Jesus. And when they found Jesus, the Bible says they came with a heart of what? Of worship. You know, when you look at these guys, I mean, some translations, some accounts call them the, the, the astrologers, people that, that worship the, the, the stars. Some people call them the shepherds. Some people call them the, the, the wise men. As a matter of fact, this, you could consider these people as outsiders. But within the Christmas story, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. They may be outsiders, but they are not outsiders in the kingdom of God. It's easy in this Christmas for us to look at people and we jump into a conclusion. But don't jump into a conclusion. Don't write anyone off. Because even in the eyes of God, for example, you may look at a grass and you say, okay, that is a weed. But within that weed, God is saying, that is a beautiful flower. You may look at somebody and say, oh, that person is a loser. Every loser is a potential winner in the eyes of God. Even though you may look at these men and they say they are outsiders, but God saw them as insiders. And God wants you to see yourself like that. If you seek God, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, God is ready. As a matter of fact, Revelation said God is always standing by us. He's always there. And he wants us to come in and dine and fellowship with him. And let this be our heart. Let's set our heart on God. Why? Because if we set our heart on God, God will guide us. He will protect us. And he will reward us. Amen. So why not... Proclaim with me and just unwrap together and say, I am a wise child of God. And as a result, I will continue to seek and to worship Jesus. Not for what I can get, but for what, for who he is.
I will always continue to seek and to worship. Not for what I can get, but for who God is. That is faithful, that is kind, just for who he is. You may not have it all. I mean, you look at people and you say, oh, this is not, oh, last Christmas was a better Christmas than this Christmas. Relative to what? Or because you couldn't buy presents. No. That you are alive, that God is God, is a reason for you to continue to worship him. That God is God is a reason for you to continue to seek after him. Amen. So as we unwrap Christmas, what is the core message of Christmas? There are so many things we could draw from this story. But I just want to focus on something that I feel God is telling us uh, even this morning. And it's wonderful when we had the workers meeting that God was speaking the same. When you look at all the accounts of the birth of Jesus, there was one phrase that was so common, and that is fear not. As a matter of fact, this occurred four times. Four times, fear not. When the angel encountered Joseph, fear not. Mary, fear not. The wise men, fear not. You know, I saw uh, a word on, 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 the, on the media, and it says, um, uh, dentrophobia, the fear of trees, or the fear of Christmas tree. So fear, yeah, fear. Fear can be a torment. Christmas, the essence of Christmas is not to fear. If fear starts coming in, oh, I'm scared that the children will not be happy because I haven't done X, Y, Z. I'm fear of that. I'm fear of that. I will not see the next year. That is not the essence of, of, of Christmas. In knowing Jesus and knowing the essence of Christmas, as we celebrate Christmas, we can easily see one, God's purpose. God's purpose. Christmas, as we unwrap Christmas, we can see the purpose of God. As you set those turkey and those chicken right there and those, as you start eating those food, that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Why? Because evidence in our front is the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God? Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, the Bible says, the angel said to him, fear not. But why was the angel saying that? Remember, Joseph was engaged to, to Mary. And for those who knows the, the, the Jewish custom, uh, marriage basically takes three, three different uh, levels. The first step is that both families they agree that these two people uh, can come together in a union. And then the, the second stage, the, there's a sort of a, a public announcement um, where the, every world, the entire world knows that this couple have been pledged together. Um, and this period then, what you now call the, um, the, the engagement period, and according to the Jewish custom, the, the lady, which basically lasts for one year, the lady stays with her, with her parents. And even though on the public eye, these people are already um, uh, engaged, they are already um, banded together to become husbands and wives, so they call them, they call them married in, in quote and unquote, um, but they are now allowed to engage in sexual uh, relations. Uh, and, 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 and it's, it's in this period where the angel came to Mary and Mary, Mary become pregnant. And, and you see, when you read that account, the Bible said, Joseph was worried. Why? Because since they've been engaged together, the only thing that can unbind or break this union is either death or divorce. Amen. Either one of the parties die or the divorce take place. But if that divorce happens because one of the partners is unfaithful, according to the Jewish custom, in the case of the lady then, which is the case we are looking at, she will be stoned to death. So the reason why Joseph was worried is not because, it's not only because he's about to lose his, the love of his life. 
Immediately Joseph come publicly and he say, I am breaking this union because Mary was unfaithful. Automatically, Joseph is sending Mary to premature death. Because according to Shuri custom, they will stone her to death. So why Joseph was pondering on this? Am I going to do this? I'm going to lose her, lose this union one. But at the same time, it means that Mary will die. As he was pondering on this, the angel came and he said, don't fear. There is a third option. God has a third option. Not death, not divorce. Marry her. Go against the norm and marry her. Take her. Why? Because this is God's agenda. And God is saying to somebody, don't fear. Things can become so complicated. Perhaps there are so many that have happened from January even up to now. Some things in our control, some things beyond our control. And this can become lots of frustration. Where do I go from here? Should I jump? Should I leap? Should I stand still? And God is saying, just calm down. I'm in control. Fear not. Why? Because the purpose of God in this thing that may look like a mess, that may look like a, a disturbance, is that God will be glorified. Why? Jesus will be born. And the purpose of God in this story is that Jesus will save his people from their sin. He will save you. And the word of God to us is, when we know the purpose of God, it will calm every fear and doubt. So even as you celebrate Christmas, understand the purpose of God in Christmas. As you break that bread and you eat that rice and you break that turkey or have that British Christmas or that British dinner or British lunch, whatever you call it, every bite is telling you God's purpose. And God's purpose is salvation. That you are redeemed. You are saved. No matter what anyone will tell you. No matter what will tell you that, oh, you've had a bad past. You have X, Y, Z. No. No matter where you're coming from. Jesus being born. Jesus dying on the cross. There is salvation for all. There is salvation for all people. Everyone have a chance to start a new life. Everyone has a chance to begin again. Everyone has a chance to be happy. Everyone has a chance to live in joy. No one should be trapped in fear. No one should be trapped in bondage. Free yourself. Fear not. Hallelujah. And if you look at uh, a quote from um, Charles Sojourn, he said, Christ is a great central fact in the world's history. He said to him, everything looks forward or backward. All the lines of history, they converge with Jesus. All the great purposes of God accumulate in him. The greatest and most momentous fact, which is the history of the world, is recorded in the fact of his birth. In summary of that quote is, within the, the, the birth of Jesus, as we look at the baby, the little baby resting on that manger, we can see the sacrifice on the cross. I mean, when you look at the gift that the three wise men brought, Oh, Mary, congratulations for giving birth. Oh, yeah, it's a gold. Yeah, it's a frankincense. Okay, you are a king. You are a priest. But here yeah, is a mar. This one is that the baby will die soon. I don't think that's a good gift. Isn't it? For, a, for a mother who is just nursing a baby. But you see, God has all this in, in his plan. And we must always see the sacrifice of cross, of the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus paid. We shouldn't just look at the birth of Jesus in isolation. The baby lying on the manger is the same Jesus on the cross, paying the price for, for our sins, paying all the price 
If we lose Christ, if we lose the price that he paid on the cross, then we lose the essence of Christmas. This baby was born to die and to live again. His death on the cross will save us and free us from all sins. I mean, John 3, 16 said, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that when we believe in him, we will have eternal life. Verse 17 said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that through him we all will be, will be saved. You know, Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, This is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of acceptance. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Sinners like you and I, saved from our past, saved saved from every struggle, saved from every entanglement of the past. As we celebrate Christmas, it should point us that God can keep his promise. The promises of God. For 400, 600 years, the Israelites have been waiting, the Jews have been waiting for the fulfillment of this promise. Jesus being born is evidence that whatever God says he will do, he will do. God will always keep his word. It may take time, but keep waiting for it. But of course, whatever God says that he will do, he will do. Second Corinthians 1.20 said, For all the promises of God in him, they are yea and they are amen. God is always committed to his word. Second Peter 1 verse 4 said, By him we have this, we have been given these great and precious promises. That through Christ, you and I will become partakers of this divine nature. Hallelujah. The word of God is true. The word of God can be trusted. The word of God is faithful. So as you celebrate Christmas, Christmas should point you to always know that God will always keep his promises. Truth never changes. You can count on him to do what he says he's going to do, even though it may take time. And lastly, Christmas shows us that the presence of God is always with us. Emmanuel, no wonder he said to the wise men, fear not. He said, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be joy to many people. There is born to you. He didn't say it is born to them, to you, to you and I. To you and I. It is the presence of God that makes the difference. Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, is with you. Is not distance away. No, is God in you? Is God for you? Is God that is living inside you? You can count on His pre- on, on His promises. You know, Matthew twenty-eight verse twenty said, "Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages." So, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate Christmas, even in this season, as you dine and you feast and you exchange gifts, let that table, let those songs, let those pleasantries. Let it point us to Jesus about the purpose, the promise, and the presence of God. That is God with us, is God for me, for you, God living in you. And with him, we can move any mountain. With him, we can win any battle. With him, we can be happy that our happiness and our joy is not owned or or tied to any man. It is anchored on Jesus. And God's presence in our life can make all the difference in our life. Christmas is the external guarantee that God is always in us, despite the challenges we are going through. Christmas is the internal guarantee that God is working everything together for our good. Christmas is the internal guarantee that one day we have an inheritance in Him, in heaven. That while we are on earth here, God has endowed us with everything that we need to be happy. Everything we need to live a godly life. So we shouldn't be endowed with bondage. We shouldn't entangle ourselves with bondage. We shouldn't live in fear. 
in want or in plenty, whether we have or we don't have, let this be a joy trigger for you to celebrate and focus on the promise, on the purpose, and the presence of God. And I pray that God will help us even as we celebrate in this Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just pray. Um, let's just pray. The Bible says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Exceedingly with great joy. Lord, we pray for this same joy. This joy that points us to your purpose that Jesus came to save us. This joy that points us to the promises of God. That you are ever faithful and committed to your promises to keep them. That what you said you would do. That your plans for us are always plans of good and not of evil. This joy that points us to your presence. Your presence is resident within us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and is able to guide us. He will not mismanage our life, but he will be able to guide us aright and lead us aright. That we can live in joy. That we don't have to entangle ourselves in financial debts, in bondage. But we can live in joy. In the little or in the plenty that God has provided for us. Father, we thank you, Lord. Perhaps you're joining us to, today, you are here in the church, you are, you are joining us online. Uh, you haven't made the Lord Jesus your Lord and personal Savior. Remember, the purpose of Christmas is that Jesus came to save us. Why not say, Lord, I accept you today as my Lord and personal Savior. Let your saving grace cleanse me, empower me to live for you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Blessed be your name, O God. Father, we pray for everyone that is here. We pray for every families As we celebrate this season, let Jesus be at the center of our celebration. Let our feasting and our dancing point us to your purpose that you came to save us. Point us to your promise that you are faithful to your promises. Let our feasting point us to your presence that we always continue to seek and to live in your presence. Let our homes be your tabernacle where you reside in the name of Jesus. Be thou exalted, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.